أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وضرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد So one of the مقدمات of علم before a person takes any درس there are certain things that are like the foundations upon which a person begins to seek knowledge is the understanding that before you do something, you should know what the what the command of Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam are in those things before you do it. Don't just do something and then you know like show up at a halaqa like uh, months and weeks and years later and say, Sheikh, this one time this thing happened and I did this. Was it right? That's not the that's not the methodology of Islam and it's not the methodology of the ulama. Rather, we have this uh, idea which is shared by other faith traditions uh, as well, that right action only will flow from right knowledge. The right knowledge is something that you get first and then afterward right action will flow from it. Intentions are important to a person's deeds. Uh, they're, they're important, they're critical to a person's deeds, but they're not the entire deed. A good intention coupled with wrong action uh, uh, or good intention worse off coupled with wrong knowledge it will derail everything otherwise Hitler had good intentions Stalin had good intentions Nazism and uh, communism were both utopian uh, utopian worldviews they wanted to refashion remake the world in some sort of idealistic form that will somehow solve people's problems and make life better for them but the good intention didn't mitigate the fact that they're all basically like bat crap nuts. I mean, they were just out of their mind. Uh, and uh, they ended up causing immense amounts of suffering for huge numbers of people. And they're going to be responsible for that on the Day of Judgment. The fact that their intention was to make the world a better place is not going to intercede on their behalf in front of the Lord when they have to give account for, uh, for their uh, misdeeds and misgivings. So ironically, many of the things that we're talking about in this class, the people who should actually do those things and should know what those things are, they're not going to end up showing up for dars. What can we do? Uh, we can keep the knowledge alive and hope that one day people People will see this as a priority and uh, take responsibility for it rather than rather than uh, absconding and uh, then doing things based on uh, on wrong knowledge or no wrong knowledge at all and then wonder why stuff gets messed up and is there, do you have anything to add to this preamble so we continue the next chapter the chapter with regards to the adhan and the iqama the adhan is one of the sha'air of deen. It is one of the symbols of deen. It is one of the ways that uh, it's known whether or not Islam is practiced in a place or not. Uh, for the Darul Islam, it was considered an act of rebellion within the uh, context of the sovereign state. Uh, if a city stops giving adhan out loud, it was considered a sign of rebellion. And uh, that place would then be uh, subdued by whatever central authority and whoever is in control of those places. Uh, they would be ousted from their control and the new people would be put in their place. Uh, because if the Adhan is not being called, then there's no point to, there's no point to ruling in a land. Uh, this is something important to understand because it doesn't just have to do with you know, some, something that happened in Bukhara or Samarkand 700 years ago. This has to do with our context as well. Alhamdulillah, even though we don't uh, wield sovereign authority as Muslims in this land, uh, uh, but we do have the wherewithal in order to call the adhan out loud. This is a sign that our, uh, our existence here is 
um, is within the bounds of the Sharia, because I know we mentioned from before the dim view the Fuqaha had about immigrating to the lands of Kufr, but the idea is that we can give the Adhan from these places out loud. And really what happens is because the context changes, these books were written in a different context, so they mention a lot of these things that are relevant to their context. We should have in our age uh, books written again with the same information, the same knowledge, but rendered into a, a context that's relevant for us. For us, the question that we should ask ourselves is why is it that if the Adhan is the most important thing, such a thing that, that it really it invalidates even the sovereign rule over a place. If you can't call the Adhan, there's no point of you being in control or no point of you ruling a place. It may as well not be in your hands at that point. If that's the case, then what does it mean that many of our, our, our masajid, the Adhan is not called? You know, days pass and the Adhan isn't called. This is a large jamia masjid. Alhamdulillah, since I've been here, there's been one or two times that I've come uh, to the Iqama time and no one has called the Adhan yet, usually because nobody's there. Um, uh, but generally, this is a large masjid and it's attended by a good number of people. Uh, and so generally, we don't have, we don't have uh, uh, the prayer time go without the Salat being prayed or without the Adhan being called. Uh, and the prayer is more important than the Adhan. So if the prayer is not being established, then that's an issue even worse than the Adhan not being called by rational analogy. This is what they call a, a, a fortiori analogy, but tariq al-awla, uh, that if it's, uh, a, 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 it's something wrong has happened that the adhan is being called, then something even worse has happened if the, the, the congregational prayer isn't being prayed. Um, and many people think, well, it's not my responsibility, because they think of Islam as an individualistic, or through an individualistic frame. We, we, it's like the century of the self, everybody's me, 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 me. And the deen doesn't make sense if you think about it only through the, 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 the individualistic frame. There is an individualistic frame in which a person has to think about the deen, that there are certain furudain, certain individual responsibilities that every person has that have to be discharged. But then on top of that, there are communal responsibilities, national, international, umma-wide responsibilities that have to be discharged. And so one of the communal responsibilities uh, that, that, that's upon us is that, the, 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 that if we build a masjid, uh, that the, the adhan must be called five times a day from that place, and that the uh, salat must be established five times a day, that silsila shouldn't cut off. There is some, some room in the, uh, in the books of fiqh to build a masjid that's only for Jumu'ah, uh, and this used to happen in places where the, inside the city there wasn't enough room to make one Jumu'ah in the entire city. So they'd have to have a special masjid that was really big so they would have just a, the Friday prayer there. But uh, generally speaking, a masjid, uh, once, it's, uh, once the waqf, the endowment of that masjid takes place, then the prayers have to happen five times a day. And there are other sunan that, that have to be established as well. Like, uh, like the i'tikaf in the last 10 days of Ramadan and other, other, other such things. Uh, there are other sunan that have to be established. The instruction in the, in the Qur'an for everybody, for the elders and for the youngers, that there should be someone there to teach people alif batatha. Someone is, for example, new to the faith and they need to learn the surah al-fatiha or they need to learn some basic surahs, they need to learn some basic things. All of these things come part and parcel with the adhan. Uh, sorry, with the masjid. And so the adhan is something very important. So for us, we should think about that also. What does that mean? Uh, there are other masail that are not mentioned in the book. We may as well mention them now because they're relevant to us. <laughs> One of them is that the adhan, the sunnah calling the adhan is, because it's from the sha'air of the deen, it's from the, 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 the emblems and the signs of the deen. Where is the sunnah then to call the adhan from? Inside the masjid or outside the masjid? Outside. From outside the masjid. 
And one of the, you know, when I bring this issue up, again, we're not, this is not the Juma Khutbah, so like, mashallah, our uh, uh, board member, Hazrat, and, and whatnot, and they shouldn't feel like, okay, this guy's like taking a jackhammer to us. This is a dars of ilm, right? Many non-ideal things happen in the real world, and many, uh, 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 you know, exceptions uh, are, are taken, some of which are legitimate, and some of which are not legitimate. So that's, a, that's, that's something we'll discuss later on the heels of. Uh, on the heels of understanding the way things should be uh, in a default state. You first have to understand how things are supposed to be in an ideal state, then you can start discussing the uh, uh, exceptions afterward, and we understand there are exceptions to rules. Uh, so the adhan should be called from the outside. And uh, one of the objections that people uh, bring up oftentimes when I mention this, almost reflexively, is that the city doesn't give us the permission to use the loudspeaker. If you put a loudspeaker up, uh, on many masajid, although this is not the case, like in Hamtramck it's not the case, in many places, Jersey, New York, there are places that give the adhan on the loudspeaker five times a day. Uh, but there are certain municipalities, you know, if you were to, if you were to put like, uh, uh, like, you know, whatever, if you were to give the uh, adhan in like whatever, rich, whitey, Illinois, uh, they're probably gonna, they're probably gonna bring the hammer down on you. Uh, through certain legal remedies that we don't have the time or bandwidth or the money to fight. Uh, even though we could win if we really if we really pushed hard we could win if it's a like a legal priority we could win but uh, People are not going to push that hard um, And the answer to that is what is that which hadith establishes that the adhan is invalid if you don't give it on the mic? Tell me what was the sound system? What was the boom box and the the amp and the the, the speaker system that the sahaba radiallahu anhum used to use? Absolutely none at all if you see that you, any, anyone here been to Turkey been to Istanbul you never been there? You, yeah, you didn't go. Yeah, we just changed the planes at the airport. You've been there, right? Sami Bai? Really? Oh, it's, mashallah, it's worth the money, mashallah. Spend the money and... Oh, have plans, inshallah. Yeah, make the plans, take your family, take Ziyad with you also. Me and Sheikh Musa will take over the masjid while you're gone. They can go with us this winter, inshallah. mashallah. You know. Hey, man, Istanbul is not the worst place in the world to be exiled, right? So the, <laughs> the, so the idea is what? The idea is that each, you have like a masjid that has like six huge, like Ali Mashan minarets, right? or eight, or a huge number of minarets. Each of them has like three terraces. So there's a, 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 there's a terrace, and then you go up some, and there's a terrace, like a balcony. And then you go up, there's another balcony, Sharafa, right? Uh, each of them has three terraces. And each terrace has something like four or six, in the Ottoman times, they had four or six muadhans that used to, that used to give the adhan from each of them. And they would give the adhan. People think that you only give the adhan in the direction of the qibla. No, if you only have one muadhan, it's you know it's it's superior for them to give it in the direction of the qibla. Otherwise, the masajid in the old days used to have give the, the the adhan in all the directions. Why? Because the people don't just live on the qibla side of the masjid. And uh, now we have like you know we have some brothers doing some hit single R and B soulful rendition of the adhan. You know. You know, like, uh, uh, you know, I'd like to dedicate this to special sister out there. And like, you know, Allahu Akbar, you know what I mean? Like, they're just, that's not the adhan, man. It's supposed to be loud. It's supposed to be loud. If you can make it sound good when, it, when it's loud, that's wonderful. That's great. But it's supposed to be loud. 
It's not supposed to sound like, you know, like you're torturing someone or nothing, which uh, unfortunately you probably tra traveled in, the, in our beloved homeland of the Indian subcontinent enough to hear some of those like animal torture adhans too. But uh, it's a story, it's one of the Hikayat Mulana Rumi writes in the, in the, in the Masnavi. He says that a, 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 a young girl, she converted to Islam from Judaism and her parents were distraught. And they tried arguing with her, how could you leave the deen of your forefathers and how could you, you know, and we've been through all the suffering, all this, and now you become one of them and you abandoned all of us. And how could you do this? And they try to convince her, her relatives try to convince her, the rabbis try to convince her, everyone tries to convince her that, you know, come back to the deen of your forefathers. And so what happens is that there's a caravan traveling through that, that, that town and the person who, the Baba who insists on giving the azan has a horrible voice, but he insists that I have to give it. So one day, uh, a Jewish man, he, they pass by that village and the, he, he says, who's that Mu'adhan in, in, in your caravan? And so the Baba says, it's me. He says, I want to give you a gift. So he's real happy, he's proud of himself. Like, look, you know, like my love of the Adhan is paying off, you know. And so he gives him the gift and he, like a huge sum tray with all sorts of things and whatever. And so he's like, he's like, why are you giving this to me? He says, well, you see, my daughter had uh, become a Muslim. And we tried, not love money, nothing would convince her to leave and come back to the deen of her forefathers. Then your caravan came through the town and gave the adhan, and everyone laughed at her so hard. They laughed at her so hard because of your adhan that she relented and she, she left Islam again. So uh, it's a hikayah. It's a, a teaching story meant to illustrate some other issues, but there are some of our people are like that. The point is, okay, you don't have to go that, that gung-ho about it, but the adhan is supposed to be loud. People are supposed to hear it. And so if you have these three sharafas, uh, each of them has like four or six muadhans and there's like six minarets, right? So that's like uh, 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 three times six is 18, times four is, uh, is what, it's uh, uh, 60, huh? 72. 72, right? That's a lot of muadhans that, that one masjid will hire. And do you think that they just hire random people to be the, the muadhan? No, they're usually students of knowledge or they're scribes and copyists or they're, they're, they're themselves the teachers of, uh, of different uh, sciences of deen. And so it's a way of not only giving them a living, but also keeping them within the, the, the confines of the masjid. Because, you know, like Sheikh Musa can't teach all of Cleveland uh, uh, and neither can I. So, uh, so you know, the, 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 the first thing is that the adhan, people should remember in their collective memory that the sunnah of the adhan is to be outside. It's better, it's better to have it outside without amplification than to have it inside with amplification. Uh, another mas'ala which uh, was alluded to uh, just uh, moments ago is that there's no harm in having more than one person call the adhan. And in fact, in certain uh, instances, in certain contexts, it's actually superior, it's matlub, it's something that the, the sharia uh, seeks that more than one person should call the adhan. Uh, and it should be called in different directions if the need uh, arises. And the, uh, the Maliki uh, madhab, the, the, the fatwa is that it's the right of every person to call the adhan. So if you go to Mauritania, you'll see this. People will literally, they'll, on their way to the masjid, they'll stop and stand on a wall and they'll call the adhan. And they won't just call it at one time. In fact, this is one way that you know that the iqama has been called in the masjid, that the sound, the continuous sounds of the adhan stops. 
and then you know that the, that the prayer has stood and the, the people are about to pray. Obviously, this is an alien custom to many people over here. If we were to do that, people would uh, people would freak out and wonder what kind of bid'ah weirdo uh, uh, sheikh they brought in ICC. But this is a, an understanding that people should have. And why would people do that? Because the immense amount of reward that is uh, uh, described in the hadith of the Prophet wasallam with regards to giving the adhan, that the, 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 the person who gives the adhan, that the voice doesn't travel to any uh, uh, human or jinn or animal or tree or rock uh, 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 that except for it will bear witness for you on the uh, on the day of judgment and that the shaitan when the shaitan hears the the voice of the adhan uh, that it startles him uh, to the point where he breaks wind and uh, he runs from that place and uh, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll be back he'll be back later on but at, in the moment that the adhan is being called it's something that that's uh, that's that's it's it's terror for the for the for for the shaitan, yeah. and uh, one might say, well, if shaitan is going to come back, what's the point? Well, <coughs> shaitan is going to have a different influence in a place where he has no permanence. Whereas if you can set up shop and be fortified in that place, his influence is going to be different, uh, and it's it should be not uh, uh, hidden for anybody why the the latter influence is not. Uh, is is sorry is, is stronger than the former one. Moana, any point you wish to jump in, inshallah. It's, it's all you. The adhan is wajib. It's an obligation in the masajid and the uh, uh, in the congregations that are fixed. So you have a, you may have a place that's not necessarily a masjid, but the congregation times are fixed. Um, and the, the imam is fixed uh, and it's understood that the, the, the jamaat is going to be held over there. What does he mean by wajib? What does he mean that it's an obligation? The meaning is that it's fard kifaya in every metropolis that the adhan should be called at least from one place. It's actually a, it's a, it's a, it's a communal obligation. Thereafter, it is a sunnah mu'akkada. It is a regularly emphasized sunnah uh, that every individual and particular congregation should call the adhan at least once. Uh, should call the adhan at least once uh, um, for every fixed prayer. Uh, to leave it may not be a sin if the one uh, ob- obligatory adhan in every metropolis has been called already, but uh, it is a it is a sign that a person their 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 uh, performance of that, that that congregational prayer is defective. It's defective or it's it's lacking. فَأَمَّا رَجُلُ فِي خَاصَةِ نَفْسِهِ فَإِنَّ أَذَّنَ فَحَسَنٌ وَلَا بُدَّ لَهُمْ مِنَ الْإِقَامَةِ وَأَمَّا الْمَرْأَةُ فَإِنْ أَقَامَتْ فَحَسَنٌ فَلَا حَرَجَ So this is another mas'ala that if a person is praying on their own, should they call the adhan or should they not call the adhan? And he's saying that it's it's there's reward in calling the adhan if you're going to pray on your own. Uh, this is the Maliki Fatwa. Mulana can uh, clarify the Hanafi Fatwa, inshallah, as well. Uh, but the Maliki Fatwa is that it's recommended to give the adhan in, 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 in the condition that it's a fixed congregation, whether in a masjid or outside of a masjid. Or if a person is praying on their own and, like, out in the, out in the like, uh, outside of the, the city or out in the, the wild or in the public. Or if they, are, if they are having a congregation to which they wish to call people. 
if it's not one of these three uh, situations, then it's not no longer recommended to call the adhan. So, for example, if you are praying in a congregation, but you don't seek other people to join you, right? So Mahmoud just memorized Surah Al-Baqarah and Surah Al-Imran, and Hafiz Ibrahim is his teacher, and he's like, now I'm going to test you. It's like Isha or Fajr or whatever. I want you to read Baqarah in like one raka'ah and Al-Imran in, in the second one. That's a congregation. It's valid if they do it, but it's haram for them to allow another person to join because they'll get stuck inside and they won't be able to like leave and unknowingly, you know, you'll put them in a bad position. So any jama'ah in which you're not seeking other people to join you, then there's no longer there's no longer reward in calling the adhan, given that that the adhan has been called at least once in every metropolis. Um, uh, but he says, well, iqamatu fala budda minhu. As for the iqama, if a person is praying in congregation or alone, it should be called a man praying. It should be called in every every case, the iqama. Uh, 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 which is l- the thing that's like the adhan, but it's called right before the prayer starts, and it's a little bit shorter and called a little quicker. The adhan is the like the long one at the beginning of the prayer time. The ikama is the one that you call right, right before the, uh, the 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 prayer. The congregation stands. So for a man, he should call it every time he prays, even if he's only intending to pray as an individual. Uh, and then he mentions for a woman, it's not it's not recommended in any case for her to call the adhan. Uh, but it's uh, uh, recommended for, for her to call the iqama if she prays and she should do so in a low voice rather than doing so loud. Um, and so the adhan is a sunnah mu'akkada. Uh, it's a re- rigorously emphasized sunnah in these three cases we mentioned, which is in the fixed congregation or if a person's out in the, out in the woods or out in the desert uh, uh, or if a, and praying alone or if a person wishes to call other people to join his congregation. Um, uh, and in other than that, it's no longer recommended. The iqama is always recommended for a man to call regardless of the situation. And this recommendation is what they call sunnah mu'akkada. It's a rigorously emphasized sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ never left it. To leave it is not necessarily a sin, but it is uh, like a defect in your performance of the, of the prayer. It's you're like missing out, needlessly missing out on a significant amount of reward for a man. For a woman, it's merely recommended. It's not as emphatic for a woman. It's merely recommended. If she leaves it, it's fine. It's not a defect. But if she does it, she'll receive some some increase in her reward. And would you like to expound on the Hanafi position with regards to some of these messiah? The calling of the Adhan is also, in the Hanafi school, preferable to call even when you're by yourself, similar to the Maliki school you mentioned, Michelle. Even to the point if you were to make up prayers that you missed, even then you can call the adhan. Obviously you're not calling people to that prayer because it's a fa'ita. It's a prayer that was missed, but even then you should still call the adhan. And it's a, it's, it's a, it's a blessing that, you know, um, we shouldn't deprive ourselves of because oftentimes we can't pray in the masjid five times a day. Um, sometimes it's even hard to get there every day. That's just the reality of where we are, but you shouldn't deprive yourselves of the barakah and blessings of the adhan, especially in your home, because of the Shaykh Hamza mentions, the shaitan flees and, and runs. Mm-hmm. So you want the shaitan to f- flee and run from your home. Mm-hmm. You should be calling the adhan in your home. The iqama should be called for all of the prayers, for all of the prayers. If you're praying at home and you can't make it in the masjid, at the very least, you can call the adhan. Uh, so uh, we uh, we continue, and he says he says ولا يؤذن للصلاة قبل وقتها إلا الصبح فلا بأس أن يؤذن لها في السدس الأخير من الليل. 
And so it says that, that uh, it is not permitted to call the adhan for any prayer before its time enters. So we talked about in the last two weeks when the prayer times were, when they enter and when they leave. Um, uh, and so whoever wishes to brush up on that, I posted the recordings from before on the SoundCloud. But uh, you can, it's not, per, it, the adhan is not valid if it's called before the prayer time. According to Malik and according to the Jamhur, Malik al-Shafi'i, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, there's one exception to that rule, which is the, the subh, the, 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 the subh prayer. The adhan is, uh, it's permissible to call the adhan uh, as early as the last sixth of the night. As early as the last sixth of the night that a person can call that. And so this is one of the things, because mashallah, the Hanafi school, even the subh prayer, it's not valid to call the adhan before the, uh, before, uh, the time of the uh, subh comes in. So oftentimes our people from the subcontinent, when they go to like, for example, Makkah, Makarramah, Madinah, Munawwara, they'll say, oh look, they're calling the adhan for tahajjud. It's not the adhan for tahajjud, it's the adhan for fajr. But, but... Uh, but it's built on this difference of opinion, and the the basis of this difference of opinion comes uh, down to comes down to a, 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 uh, an issue, which is that the rule that's understood is that the adhan is not called before the time of any prayer. And is there a basis for exception to this rule? Yes or no? And those who say there is basis for uh, for an exception to this rule. They base it on the fact that Sayyidina Bilal who used to call the Adhan for Fajr before it would come in. And he's the one who used to wake up before Rasulullah and he would also wake him. Obviously the Rasul that his, his eye sleeps but his heart doesn't sleep. But that was the, that was the, the routine at any rate. Is that, that Sayyidina Bilal when he would wake up he would, he would tell the Prophet that the last six of the night is in uh, if he wasn't already uh, awake. And, and he would give the Adhan at that time. And so the exception, those who say there's a basis for the exception, base it on the practice of Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu anhu. Uh, those who uh, say there's no exception, which uh, is Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah wa ta'ala and his sahibain, his two companions, is that, uh, is two things. One is that uh, the exception to the rule has to be built on a dalil, which is as strong as the rule itself, if not stronger. And, uh, and also there is the existence of certain athar, certain hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which you can find in the Sharh al-Athar of Imam Tahawi amongst other books, that the Prophet ﷺ used to actually tell the Sahaba in Ramadan that you can keep eating, if, it, if only Bilal makes the adhan, you can keep eating. Uh, 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 you can keep eating until Ibn Ubi Maktoum makes the adhan because the Prophet had, had three muaddins I can think of that come from the athar, not just one uh, Ibn Ubi Maktoum and uh, uh, Abdullah Ibn Abi Mahdura and, uh, and uh, Abdullah, uh, sorry, and Sayyidina Bilal radiallahu anhum. And there may be other ones, somebody who has like the, the khira of hadith. The collection of hadith in their mind and in their memory, mustahdar more than me, like present more than me, they can they can point that out if they find something. But um, the Prophet said, wait until Ibn Ummi Maktoum gives the adhan. Uh, and the 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 reason is uh, regarding Bilal in Nafi'ainihi Shay. It's narrated that there's something in his eye, like he may be see, you know. So the Hanafis interpret that as meaning what that, that he may see something uh, that's not actually there. 
when he gives the adhan early. Uh, the uh, the Malikis and the others, they say that, uh, well, this is not necessarily, uh, this doesn't necessarily mean that what he's doing is invalid. It may be that he can actually see the, you know, something, some phenomenon before the dawn comes in or whatever. But for the Hanafis, it's enough shubha in the, in the issue. It's enough, uh, cast enough doubt on the issue to say that this is not a solid exception. So there's some some very solid re- legal reasoning on both sides. If you, I don't know if you want to expound on that issue more than more than that. Yeah, one of the beautiful things about the Hanafi school, mashallah, is that it's very developed and, and mature. Yeah. Right. So oftentimes, um, while there is a dominant opinion in the school, you will find that a lot of the differences from the other madhahib are actually contained within the madhab, and that's also the case with calling the adhan before the time specifically for Fajr, right? So as Sheikh Hamza mentions, the Hanafi school doesn't allow it, right? That you don't call the Adhan before the entering of its time. Um, if, he were, if they were to do that, they have to repeat it in its time because the Adhan is to inform people and if you were to do this before the time, then you're going to cause like some ambiguity, like, okay, is it in or is it not in, right? You're supposed to tell the people it's in, that's why you call it in. However, وَقَالَ أَبُوْ يُوسُفُ رَحِمُهُ اللَّهِ يَجُوزُ لِلْفَجْرِ فِي النِّسْفِ الْأَخِيرِ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ لِتَوَارُثِ أَهْلِ الْحَرَمَيْنِ So Abu Yusuf, one of the primary students of Imam Abu Hanifa, he says that it's allowed in the last half of the night, even before Fajr enters. So for Salat al-Fajr, you can call it any time after Nisful al-Layl, which is, which is midnight. And um, although that's not what the madhab is built upon, it exists within the madhab, mashallah. So that, again, that's, as I mentioned, one of the beautiful things about the Hanafi school is even if it's not the dominant opinion, it's so mature and developed that usually it contains the opinion of the other madhab within it, mashallah. And what does it mean, litawarati ahlil haramin? And the, one of the reasonings of Abu Yusuf is because it was something that was practiced in the Haramain Sharifain, Makkah Mukarraman, Al Madinah Al Munawra, as Maulana Hamza mentioned. Right, so that happened there, and that was something Tawaruth is. It was it was a it was a habit and a, a habitual practice that happened throughout the generations. And the the Hanafi school and the Maliki school in particular, they give a very strong um, uh, weight to the oral tradition. It didn't always have to show me the hadith, right? Show me the hadith. Which hadith is that in, right? Which, which, uh, you know, where'd you get the hadith, right? So the you, the oral tradition is something very strong. So something was that was practiced by those generations, right? Mass practice, especially, didn't always require a hadith to prove it because these people were not ignorant. And these people weren't innovators, right? In the Haramain Sharifain and, and, and of the like in Medina Munawwara. So as Sheikh Hamza will explain and probably has explained, the Amal Ahl Medina. Had, is, is a hujjah, is a proof, right? So um, that was his reasoning for calling the adhan before fajr was that it was practiced in the haramain that way too. And this is one of the, I mean, this is one of the reasons that these durus and halakat are important and this is a very important concept in order to understand Islam properly, which is that we're not just people who woke up one day as an ummah. I mean, as individuals we are, but sometimes, but we're not as an ummah, we're not people who just woke up one day and they're like, oh, I want to read about fiqh. Like these are living, these are living practices in different places. These are issues people thought about, talked about, discussed to lengths that people are people are oftentimes surprised when they actually, uh, you know, see what's written inside the books. They're very, they're they're, they're surprised to the, the lengths to which uh, people delved 
in order the depths to which people delved in order to figure these these things out and so this is a concept that's strong in the in the Maliki school in particular and also in the Hanafi school that you're not going to have you know the the sahaba and the tabi'in and the taba tabi'in doing something and you know uh, without break or without interruption all those generations uh, in the Haramain Sharifain and then someone's going to come from Bukhara or someone's going to come from Egypt or someone's going to come from some far-fetched land and be like, oh, well, I have this hadith and like you guys are doing it all wrong. It's like, okay, buddy. We're not even necessarily saying your hadith is wrong. But, uh, you, you know, maybe you didn't understand what the hadith means properly or whatever. You know, that's also a possibility we're going to entertain because we're not orphans when it comes to this ilm. We're not orphans. We're not just like, you know, like I'm going to open my own church based on my values, based on my this, my that, and I'm going to have a reformation and this and this. That's not what we have. Rather, we have an unbroken chain that goes back to the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that was transmitted oftentimes not by professional students uh, or professionals or whatever, but just people like this who come, come together just to hear about uh, uh, the basic knowledge of the deen. Uh, that this is a this is the the medium through which this knowledge was sustained. Uh, uh, so uh, So I think uh, with that, I, uh, inshallah, I wanted to stop and give time for questions because we really haven't been having many questions, and I feel like it's because we always push to the end and then you know there's a rush to go and and pray and things like that. So I wanted to give 15, 20 minutes for questions, inshallah. We can start with questions that are uh, things that, are, that were covered in dars, and then we can open it up for other questions if people had them. Inshallah. This may be, this may be coming up, but uh, 